0: Some screaming heavy metal! We rock! But the evil that men do. We're gonna bang your head!
1: You are now listening to Music Mania, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest featuring hard-hitting interviews with Rock's living legends. And now, here are your hosts,
0: the twins of chaos, Clint Schweitzer and Paul Lagana.
1: Hello everyone again and welcome to the Music Mania podcast. Clint Schweitzer with my co-host Paul Lagana as always. And uh, guys, we have a big treat today because one of our biggest guests to date will be joining us. It is Mr. David Ellefson, bass player from Megadeth. You know, forged from the ashes of the Big Four thrash metal. You know, Megadeth getting ready to head out on yet another leg of their Dystopia tour in Asia before coming back to America with Meshuga this summer. Hey, Dystopia won a Grammy. Congratulations for that. It's just going to be great to talk about uh, all this and much more with uh, Mr. Ellison, man. Just a great bass player, great guy, long standing relationship with David Mustaine.
2: Right, right, yeah. This band here, Clint, to me, is both astounding and intriguing as to how they've stood the test of time uh musically uh you know everything goes through changes but these guys are still uh on top
1: well they've won a Grammy and I think that's really important um, they're they're still out there doing it of course you know they've been through so much drug addiction uh, to breakups to lawsuits um, It's <laughs> and here they are you know David uh, Ellison spent eight years away from the band he's been back now since 2010 they've recorded three albums you know it's just great to see him back great to see Megadeth still you know making it happen one of the biggest metal bands you know American metal bands of all time especially from kind of the metal underground which was forged uh, in the wake of like you know you had hair metal starting on the Sunset Strip and meanwhile on, on you know, in San Francisco with Metallica and, and Megadeth, you know, you had Slayer and, and Anthrax and a lot of these bands. And Megadeth, like you said, stood the test of time, still out there doing it, making good albums. And I tell you what, it is our pleasure here on the Music Mania Podcast to welcome our guest this week. It is Mr. David Ellison from Megadeth. David, getting ready to head out there to, to Asia. Great things going on, my man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like
0: it. Well, yeah, I guess so, right? I mean, I guess kind of the weekend and the rising sun, but we started. Uh, in the Philippines, I think it's a festival on uh, Saturday, so it's should cool, man. We haven't been over there now for a few years, or at least a couple years, so it'll be fun to be back.
1: Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, you don't see a lot of bands hitting those kind of countries. You know, I think you guys are going to Singapore after that. I mean, you guys are really making making the track over there. That's going to be quite a quite an experience. I think you're getting ready to leave tomorrow, so we appreciate the time wow. here.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, it's one of the beauties of being a heavy metal band. And certainly being Megadeth, we somehow get called to go into these countries first before everybody else, you know. And uh, and it's kind of interesting because oftentimes in, uh, you know, we are on tour during the Gulf War, on the Rust in Peace Tour. Um, we are on tour, you know, during other big world events like 9-11 and other things like that. And, you know, we just sort of stay out there and stay at it, you know. And so you don't have to worry War and in troubled times as a nation or as a world, but usually when tensions kind of get high, you know, suddenly Megadeth's on a world tour, so we, well, we go no matter what, you know. Well,
1: if there's no any national security, yeah, if there's any national securities yeah. issues, metalli- uh, Megadeth will figure it out for us, and we'll just, you know, you you'll be the sacrificial lambs, yeah. and we'll figure yeah. it out from there, yeah. basically. So. Some, cool. some,
0: so, somehow, Holy Wars and Peace cells seem to be the theme song. You know, everywhere we go. You
1: know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I know you're still. Uh, this is still the Dystopia tour, man, and uh, that that came out. You know, back in January of 16. You guys won a, a a freaking Grammy for that, and congratulations for that. It's a long time coming. My God, what a victory for Thank all you. of metal. Yeah. And And um, just kind of, you know, a, a year and a half later, take us back. I mean, Dystopia, of course, winning that Grammy. Still on tour for it. What a great album it was. You know, you can call it a quote unquote return to form, maybe for Megadeth, but. Just- Let's talk about that album and uh, you know, kind of what the reception's been for you guys for that over the past year and a half.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, that's you know, again, going to Asia tomorrow because we started the tour really, it was, it was in October, so it was a couple months even before the release of the record in, in January 2016. We actually started October 2015 um, over in Beijing. China, and then um, we, we we went around the world, we did Asia, we did Australia, then we went up to Russia, and then we did a, um, a pretty big swing through the all of the UK, um, and at the time we had pushed out the track Fatal Illusion, um, sort of the first, you know, kind of teaser to everybody of the record, and, and everybody just loved it, I mean, it was such a great thing to lead with, and then, you know, releasing the record in January, and you know, here in America, um, I mean, the record is pretty much you know number one, two, and three, kind of all around the world, and then here in America to come in, you know, Adele was unshakable.
2: You know, she <laughs> she to top it. of the charts. You know, <laughs> and, and, and Justin Bieber just
0: ahead of us. Which you know, it's you know, but I, I think I think you know, it, it, it's obviously it's great for Megadeth, but I think you know, we represent. You know we're, we're a tribe of metalheads you know so i think for for metal to be that strong up against a couple of the biggest pop stars on the chart i think just goes to show how big you know the impact of, of metal is you know and 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 we we rally around our own you know we we champion our own and when, when great metal records come out everybody gets behind it and um uh, you know, so you know, taking this thing around the world. You know, since then, um, and obviously, you said the Grammy and all that. The Grammy kind of the cherry on top, you know. And, and, and I agree; it, it's a it's a big win for for the genre, not just for Megadeth. So we're we're honored that uh, we were the ones to lead the charge on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you guys are also bringing this tour back uh, to the states uh, this June uh, with Meshuga. Should be a great tour um, back here in the states. Can't wait to see that. But you've also been busy in the meantime, just opening up. The new coffee shop there in your hometown uh, in Minnesota. What was that been like? I think you partnered with Don Jameson on this deal. It's an Ellison co- Coffee Company. How did you get into this? And just kind of how's it? How's it been going? It's been open a few weeks. I'm hopefully getting some good yeah. reviews on that. I'll have to grab a cup when I'm up there next time. <laughs>
0: yeah, please do. You know, please swing in. I mean, it's you know we we married uh, the coffee culture with the rock and roll lifestyle. You know, we've got all kinds of cool member billionaire, a lot of my friends and fans. I mean, everybody from Corn to warrant <laughs> its coal chamber to all kinds of bands and put stuff in there and it's really uh you know it's cool. People are dropping in even while they're on tour and dropping stuff off while they're there and grabbing a cup of coffee. Our grand opening was <clears throat> was awesome and Don's just such a he's such a cool dude. He's a good bro, good friend. Um, and he, and he was, he's been asking me about it, you know, since I saw him in December at the Revolver Music Awards, he goes, right away, he's, he's like, hey dude, how's the coffee coming along You know, so when it came time to do the grand opening, um, you know, he was one of the first guys I, I, I you know, cause we've been talking about it, I said, hey, we we'll at the grand opening and have you come in. He goes, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'm in the area just so I can be there for it, you know? So, uh sure um you know he's he's funny i mean he wrote like a whole a whole shtick of jokes just coffee jokes coffee comedy you know what i mean so um but yeah it's it's really great and of course we, now we have our you know we've had the online sale which is how the company started and now we've got our brick and mortar retail st- uh shop there in jackson minnesota and, and now we're getting involved in some other uh festivals you know we've got coffee at uh, some of the big rock festivals and Florida this week, and uh, Wanderlust, which is the big uh, health and wellness festival, um, so we're selling coffee and, and selling to those festivals and stuff, so, yeah, we got, we're got we spread out pretty good, man, it's, 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 it's been a really fun little venture fun.
2: Absolutely, and uh, one thing about it, I know for a fact, because uh, one of my high school uh, buddies actually opened a coffee shop in California, I know how much hard work goes into that man so you guys are uh kicking some ass yeah it,
0: yeah it is and you know fortunately there's a great team back there in, in jackson to do it and um you know so yeah it's just it's it's cool you know and it's like i said just as much as now fun to be out bending and and participating with rock and roll festivals and health wellness festivals and all this stuff so it's kind of like we got three pillars for our business now you know between online festivals and retail.
2: absolutely well, Dave, talk a little bit about uh, Dystopia, actually, because uh, it, what it came out, I believe, in 2016, and uh, what what has what the reception been like for that album? Because uh, it's been critically acclaimed, and uh, we happen to both love it. So uh, talk a little bit about that. Oh, well,
0: thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. That, you know, the album, we probably started putting it together when we were on the Super Collider tour. I remember in particular we were up in, Holland and I remember we were working on I believe the song that actually became dystopia. Um and you know, so a lot of these songs, um, maybe I don't know, a month or two or a few weeks maybe right before that. Um, is Dave's place in California, we were working on demos as Dave and I. I was putting bass down to some of his ideas and I was bringing some ideas in and and just kind of getting the whole process going and you know those ideas that started then really went through a huge, um, a, a pretty big shift. You know there there was you know the, the album record really turned out you know so much heavier and so much more progressive and 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 you know kind of framing the initial tunes out. They were more simple things and, and you know I think one of the processes we talked about was that, you know, we had some pretty good radio and MTV success in the 90s, and and it was one of these things that we just wanted to get away from this always, like, let's write a verse, and then head toward this big kind of chorus idea, you know, because we, and and we were aware of it, we were like, look, we're kind of, we get stuck in this box of doing that (laughs) all the time, and we really want to get away from that, and... And it's so funny that how that process, you know, it gets first. First, you got to be honest with yourself and know what works. and Then you got also be honest with yourself and start to see the things that aren't working and be willing to, to, to step up and change. You know, and I guess it's kind of the beauty of what we do. We're, we're pretty we're pretty hard on ourselves, you know. And 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 when we saw that sort of flaw in our approach to records and writing, I, you know, it finally dystopia, I think we fixed it. You know, and, yeah. Uh, um, you know, and we just went for it, and I've ever sitting with Dave, and we're, well, you know, playing the bass, you know, getting the bass parts down on, uh, on, on Dystopia. He just said, he goes, hey man, if they don't like this, I, I'm out of ideas, you know, and, and it's cool because it, uh, you know, because, because where, where it had gone to by the time we were putting the, the, these, these tracks down, I mean, it was very aggressive, very progressive, and very complex Megadeth stuff, and that's, That's what the fans really want to hear from us.
1: Yeah, certainly so. And, I mean, you know, it's hard to believe now. It's been... Uh, Seven years since you rejoined Megadeth back in 2010 after after quite an absence after eight years just how important you've recorded three albums with Megadeth now what um you know how important have these last seven years been to you personally reconnecting you know with Dave forging Megadeth ahead and you guys are you know again coming out with an album that uh, you know was number one in some, several countries How how important you know just for your legacy and the legacy of Megadeth of course everybody wanting to see you a founding member back in the band it's been seven years how important have these seven years been for you man?
0: Well, you know, you know, really important—not just for me, but I think just for the, you know, if I could dare call it the franchise, you know, the franchise of Megadeth, you know, because you know, rock bands are kind of a unique uh, little beast in that, you know, um, the songs are as attached to the personalities who wrote them and record them, and and you know, being able to, you know, have that experience of of going to see this, you know, you're not just going to hear a song play at a concert, you're going to watch those people play it, you know? And I'll give you an you know, when I was at Nam, um, I was in the lobby of the hotel and, and Tom Peterson from Cheap Trick was there, and um, he does some stuff with uh, with Gretz Guitars, which is part of Fender, I do stuff with Jackson Guitars, which is part of Fender, so we just had this really cool moment, and I've actually done shows, you know, when I played bass with Ronnie Montrose, we did some, a couple of shows with Cheap Trick, and um, You know, kind of known them a little bit around the year, over the years, you know. But it's just kind of interesting how, uh you know, area I'm standing to Tom, who, you know, I used to learn his songs growing up. And and there's a season when he wasn't in Cheap Trick, and and quite honestly, my interest waned in Cheap Trick. You know, now that right. he's back in the band. You know, he's a. You know, Rick Nielsen, I think, is the main songwriter of Chief Trick, but you know, Tom's playing his part and him being there is a, it's, it's part of the blueprint of the band, you know, and, and I think that's what happens when, you know, when you get to see the, you know, I guess in our case, Megadeth, me and Dave, you know, from, from the very beginning, you get to see us there. You know, it's interesting, We're, we've reached this point in our career where, you know us being together on that stage and in the studio and working together like that is a it's it's a it's a visual it's an audio it's all part of the thing that you really that that is the nucleus of it you know and um and you know so there's it's i just think it's cool for just the whole experience for everybody
2: all around Uh, no doubt about that dave uh we were just kind of curious if you were could talk a little bit about your relationship with Dave because uh you know obviously you guys have had your you know much much publicized up and downs over the years but uh just talk a little bit about how he is both on stage and off stage and what your relationship is like now.
0: Well i say on stage there's no one I'd rather be on stage with than Dave because I mean that guy totally has control of the venue, you know, and he's got control of the audience. Um he's got control he can shut down a fifty thousand capacity audience in one one you know all he's got to do is stop playing and people know he's pissed you know what i mean and i was was, like oh shit we pissed dave off you know what i mean and you know it's been like that from the very first shows we did in in the up in san francisco back in 1984 i very much felt like man dave is fearless on stage and, and he really he's at home on stage that's really where he's you know, you see the essence of him and you just feel his presence and, and he's a commanding leader and, and it, quite honestly the audience loves that. The audience wants to be led. They want to know someone's in command and he's in command in the live show. So that's a, a beautiful thing. And then, you know, creatively and in the studio, um, you know, Dave, you know, records like Dystopia really quite honestly wasn't much different than making P Cells or you know, you know, maybe some of the earlier records and that, you know, You know, Dave very much has a, uh, a very, you know, he's got his hand on the the creative process and he he, he knows what, when he hears something in his head, he knows what it's gonna sound like um, later on. And that's a gift that I don't see a lot of people have. Um, And you know, I know sometimes musicians sit around, they play a lot, they practice a lot. They'll continually hone and work on things um, and Dave's a guy that he plays what he hears, he doesn't hear what he plays. And that's a, that's a, that's a different, Dave's a kind of a, he's a begin with the end in mind kind of guy, you know? And and, and as a result, Megadeth has a, has had a, I think it's part of the reason the band's been able to stay together quite honestly, yeah. because there was this vision cast from the very beginning and every day we're together as Megadeth, we are executing what that vision was back in 1983.
1: Um, absolutely not. You know, when you talk about, um, you know, just the term Big Four. You talk about Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, yourselves. But I want to go back to kind of the, the formation of the band, 1983, le, le, just taking a look at what the climate was like in, in Los Angeles at the time. I know Dave had just uh, parted ways with Metallica. And here this all forges ahead with, uh, you know, with with the Anthrax. Metallica's in San Francisco. But you guys are on the LA area. How What was it like trying to formulate what would become thrash metal during a scene that had just seen Quiet Riot's album go to number one and what was the beginning of what would become hair metal that would rule the strip for the next seven or eight years. How, what was that like for you guys and what did you think of that scene at the time?
0: Well, it's interesting because when I was living in Minnesota, about two years before that is when it really just hit me like a ton of bricks. I have to get to L.A. And I framed everything around my life from age 16 to 18 to get to L.A. And my parents supported me, fortunately, and I just sort of framed everything toward that. And then when I got, and so the stuff that I saw around me were, of course, Ozzy was getting his musicians out of LA. Um, as a result of that, you know, Rat now got attention, um, you know, because J.T. Lee had a little stint in and around Rat and that stuff. And of course, Quiet Riot, you know, record was blown up with, with Metal mental health. And, um, and so there was a whole different, you know, I kind of saw the more mainstream, you know, study. Of course, Molly Crew was, was just, was really starting to take off. And so the more mainstream, you know, kind of what we call now hair metal kind of stuff was really what had reached, you know, the Midwest where I was and probably kind of the rock world at large. So when I get there and I meet Dave and he, and he was listening and was into the music I really liked, you know, Motorhead, Maiden, Saxon. Yeah you know, diamond head, new wave of British heavy metal, this 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 other whole scene that us us diehard metalheads were really into. Um and, you know, Dave was not swayed at all by what was going on around in LA. You know, the Quiet Riot record did not affect Dave. The fact that Rat was starting to take you know, Metallica when he was in Metallica, they played shows with Rat. So I mean he got to see it firsthand. He did one show with Metallica,
1: um, at the whiskey on Sunset opening for Saxon. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so Dave was not, in fact, he was pretty disgusted with the LA music scene. And, and not from a pompous, arrogant way, but you know, they make bands pay to play. They make you go out and put ink posters on the wall. I mean, they really just treated musicians really, really shitty, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so with Dave, I mean, right away when I, when we were getting serious about getting Megadeth going after we'd been hanging for a couple of weeks, I mean, he said, he goes, we're not playing any shows in LA. We're going up to the Bay Area. That's where it's at. It's a whole different scene. And so, you know, we worked toward that goal. So finally, I don't know what, six, seven months later, we finally made our first, our, for our debut of the band up in the Bay Area in February of 1984. And, and it really was. I mean, look, we got paid to play that first, the first shows we did. They actually paid us. I mean, it wasn't a lot, but you know, I mean, like, get yeah. paid whatever, 500 bucks or something to play and pack a club and have it be full. I mean, down in LA, you'd be paying to play and get some shitty slot at 8.30 at night as the opening band warming up for some, you know, hair band. So, I mean, Dave was, Dave really had a good read on it and he was bold enough and brave enough to not give in. And sell himself or sell Megadeth short coming out of the gate. I mean, he really—that's—that's that's one of his greatest attributes—is he—he he sticks to his guns.
1: Unquestionably, you know, it's just you think about Megadeth since then selling 50 million albums worldwide. You guys are one of the, you know, one of the few bands from from the kind of American underground uh in metal to achieve commercial success. And I mean, you, t- you talk about, you know, Rest in Peace, Countdown to Extinction. I mean, how important were, were those two albums in particular to you guys sort of becoming one of these bands that just is up there when you talk about the Maiden's, the Priest, the Metallica's, Megadeth's in there, and those two albums yeah. were so commercially successful for you guys. I mean, how big were those two for you guys at the time and, you know, in 90, 91 92
0: Well, you know, you know, huge. I mean, and it's funny because we just made Rest in Peace, you know, very similar to Dystopia. I mean, we were just like, look, this is who we are. This is what we got. And I, I, you know, if you don't like it, well, this is, this, let it live or die based on what we're giving you. You know what I mean? And, And it's funny that when we deliver like that, those are the records that people like. And I think it's not that they're just hearing the songs and the notes they're hearing the conviction and the attitude behind it. And in rock and roll, like a lot of things in life, it, it re- people can see through the passion and the integrity. You know what I mean? They can really feel if you mean it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at like Steve Jobs at Apple, you know I mean? Like you, that guy was committed to everything that that guy did, you know? Um, and, and as a result, you know, that's why Apple at one point was valued as the most important company in America. You know? Um, you know, a computer company. You know, not an oil company or a car company or you know, but a, a freaking computer company. You know, um, and it's funny that you know those kind of guys like that. That's a that's a different breed, and and you know, and Dave's like that. You know, Dave was very much one of those guys who had absolute you know laser focused tunnel vision on what we were doing, and and that's why he's the commander in chief. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and like any good you know, any good commander, you need a, you know, you need another, you know, a good number two, three, and four around you, and, and you know, I think that's, I, I mean, I caught that right away meeting up with Dave. My dad was a lot like that, you know, my dad was a very focused, you know, he, he he wouldn't sway off of his stuff, so I kind of grew up around, you know, that kind of uh thinking in my own house when I met Dave, it was kind of like, all right, well, let's go, kind of bring her up this is kind of what I know, you know, you're unwavering total, you know, dedication to the
2: cause, you know no doubt about it and uh obviously you and dave both obviously being the constants from you know 30 plus years the band has had some interchangeable parts over the years but dave i wanted to ask you a little bit about nick menza because uh obviously he was in the band uh basically for the 90s uh he recently Uh passed away uh what was your relationship like with him and uh just talk a little bit about him and and uh his relationship with the band well,
0: I think in the beginning, and Nick was brought out as sort of an understudy drum tech for Chuck Beeler on the So Far, So Good, So What record. And, um, you know, so, you know, as, as Chuck's tenure with Megadeth had, had passed and in 1989, we're, you know, without a drummer, and we start talking to Nick and him coming in, you know, a lot of people have a, have a, have a thought of what it's really like to be in a band um like a megadeth, but then there's a reality to what it really is, you know? Um, there's a matter of knowing how to respond and, and behave around certain personalities. There's a uh, understanding what the music really is, that it's, again, it's not just about the notes, but it's about the conviction behind, you know, it's not necessarily what you play, it's how you play it that matters. So there's all these, you know, levels and layers of, of detail that go into really great rock groups, you know, and, and, and some people either grasp that or they don't. And, you know, and Nick was a guy who he, he got it, you know, yet at the same time, you know, he, he had to go through rock school and, and be, you know, sort of groomed into a few things. But for, fundamentally, Nick had the right heart, you know, and I think that's what the fans always loved about Nick because he just really had he's got a real rock and roll heart you know and um, and so you know over the years I mean he and I, I I think always remained good friends I mean when I was getting off drugs and getting sobered up in the late 89 you know he was he, he and his girlfriend Stephanie were also real friends to me you know um, they helped me and they were know kind to my wife and you know as i was you know going through those transitions so there was also a there's also a nice human element to nick and you know nick's italian and his dad's from sicily so there was like a real you yeah. know there was kind of a warm warm <laughs> italian passion uh around nick and his family that was always very you know very much appreciated by me and my family
1: yeah well said and it's uh, hard to believe it's been almost a year now on, on may 21st but as we look to the, look ahead um David before we send you off uh to Asia we've got a final three questions our final three drum roll before we send you off and we're gonna start with this one I know you're active on the internet always out there always um you know interacting with fans what is your favorite social media
0: I'd say probably my favorite one is still Facebook you know it's it's kind of like reading the newspaper (laughs) (laughs) um and uh you know, it's engaging. You can interact with people. Um, you know, most most everybody is on it, you know, so it's kind of like the yellow pages at the same time. If you want to look someone up, you can find them, you know. Um, and I get a lot of, uh, you know, some, ironically, business requests and, you know, different things come through through that. So I, I'd, I'd say Facebook is still the one
2: for me. Yeah, uh, the most popular, I think, for sure, even though some would obviously say Twitter. but All right, number two, Dave. First album you bought with your own money at a record store?
0: Uh, Kiss Destroyer on cassette. Awesome.
1: Hey, yeah, in honor of Record Store Day, which was just the other day, and we still know what they are. At least all of us here speaking now, at least right. thank God. Uh, Kiss oh, Destroyer. Okay. <laughs> Kiss Destroyer. You didn't get alive. You waited. A lot of people was it was alive, so you waited till Destroyer well, came saw, out. You
0: know, funny. I saw Alive on vinyl sitting in the, there's like a drug store in, in my town, right? Like a kinda of like a Walgreens or CVS kinda of store, you know like that in my local town and, and I and I saw Kiss Alive sitting there. In fact I remember I had to buy a birthday present for a friend of mine and I went in I was gonna buy him an album and I saw Kiss Alive and I saw Blood Zeppelin presents and I bought him presents you know, because he was a little, he was a few years older than me, and, 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 but I, I wasn't
1: quite as hit the Zeppelin yet, you know? Sure. They were a few years ahead of me, but I saw, it's, I, I, I probably almost selfishly kind of kept kids alive because I wanted to buy it for me. Absolutely. cool. Hey, that sold a lot of albums back then, but, uh, final one. <laughs> I know you have your, uh, bachelor's degree in business management. What band out there, when a lot of people ask you about this, about managing bands, what band out there would be, you know, in, in the rock world, would be the biggest nightmare to manage. Motley Crue would be my choice, but that's just me.
0: <laughs> well, Motley Crue doesn't exist anymore, right? I mean, well, right. They're not they're not active in touring, so I'm going to pull them off the list. Um, you know, I, let me uh, without naming a name, let me just say that that bands that that um, bands that that uh, have a lot of money and take a lot of drugs. <laughs> is, is probably the most lethal combination
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> of ego and entitlement you know so that was, I'd, I'd, I'd rather work with a harder working band who's hungry hungry and struggling because at least at least they' their their they're, they're, their head and their heart is probably in the right place.
1: Hey, great stuff, Dave. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you're getting ready to leave uh, on, the, on this tour and stuff. Things are going on. Guys, DavidEllison.com. That's where you can get all the info um, on Dave and everything that's going on with uh, with the coffee and everything like that. We want to you got to all check that out. Online orders are, are definitely accepted. Make sure you go try, try some. We will definitely do that. Hey, have a great tour. When you guys hit back up the U.S., hit back the Midwest, we're going to come catch you. Hopefully in St. Louis, we'll uh, have to hit you up and come say hi or something, my man. Awesome.
2: Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
1: Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks.
2: See ya. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Ladies and
2: gentlemen, that was Dave Ellison of the band Megadeth. And Clint, what a treat it was to speak with him, man. Yeah, it
1: was. And uh, we kind of had to set this up last minute. Their management got to us and said, hey, the band's leaving for Asia. Can we uh, make this happen? So glad it did. Um, You know, especially, you know, getting to just talk to him about, you know, his his coffee brand. I mean, coming out with that, like he's got this boutique coffee brand, Ellison Coffee Company. Check that out, man. Order some stuff online. That's where the whole thing started. They have the brick and mortar, um, you know, coffee shop in his hometown in Jackson, Minnesota but check that out on Ellison Coffee. He's just, you know, an entrepreneur out there. He's got a business degree. My gosh, the guy, you know, he's got a lot of ability. A lot of people think he could be a good manager, and he talked about the bands he would not want to manage, but great yeah. stuff from him. You know, yeah. can't thank him enough for, uh, for joining us, talking about the Dystopia tour, the Dystopia album. Uh, went back in time, back to the inception of Megadeth, and it makes you think and makes you realize just how big and impactful Megadeth's been in the metal world, man. What a story, man. I mean, the guy couldn't have been more
2: forthright in in his assessment of of what they've all been through and I'll tell you what Clint it it was an absolute treat for both of us uh at this point in time there's a, to me thrash metal is still alive and megadeth still rules me
1: of course and you know there's always the opportunity for more big four shows with metallica and slayer and anthrax would love to see that happen and just um, you know to catch Megadeth when they're here on this tour when they get back to the US with Meshuga, we want to thank everyone for joining us thanks for uh, for subscribing hitting that download button we always appreciate all the feedback Twitter at Music Mania Show and on Facebook search us for Music Mania podcast guys get it all out there we want to hear what guests you want to hear us bring on we will make that happen or we will try or try to pay someone to make it happen for us
2: that's right this is our busy season now Clint uh, Springtime going into summer there's going to be a lot of bands on tour and we would like to speak with as many of of, uh, the members as we can.
1: Thanks a lot. Paul Lagana and Clint Schweitzer Music Mania Podcast out.